we're going to go all the way from verse 1, and we're going to go all the way to verse 11 this, this, this evening. And um, I don't know if you... Um, uh, Moses is an incredible man to study, especially when, you're, when we're in this stage where he's at right now. But in Genesis chapter, Exodus chapter 3, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. When I was looking at this, this is about 27 miles that he's taken these animals. And he's over in a spot where God wants him to go. And we're going to look and see what happens to him in this chapter. And we all know it. But the problem is that sometimes we know it and we go get ahead of really what, we, what these people went through when they went through their situation. So we're going to look at this. And we're talking about Moses, a man God moved. God was always constantly moving him. He was never in a stable position. Um, sometimes he was there for 40 years, but the next statement he was, going to, he was going to move forward. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into this. It's, uh, Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for all the things you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for your, for your word. I thank you for the story of Moses as, as we study him tonight. May we get something from him. May we see a change in what he does. And Lord, right now you've put him in the wilderness and he's been there for quite a while and he's about ready to move. Lord, may we be a, a, a generation and a church and just an individuals that when God tells us to move, we need to do it. Lord, may we move into the direction that you want us to do and, and make us learn where we're at. But Lord, make us move when you want us to do. Make us talk when you want us to talk. Make us um, witness to people around us when you want us to witness. Lord, there's just so many things that you give us in the scripture, Lord. May we, may we apply it in our lives and be different for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a man, a man God moved. M Moses is in, in Exodus chapter 3. We're picking, picking him up after he's about, he's about 80 years old. And he's moved these animals. And he, the first 40 years he was in Egypt. Now he's in the wilderness for 40 years. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't do things for you every 40 years? Um, but on him, that God moves him. And if I were to title this message, this is what I would title it. Here to who? And you're going to see this in just a second. Here to who? When you say it real quick, people don't understand it, but we're going to look at those two words, what Moses does. It's very interesting of what he does in this chapter. Um, there's some things in this chapter when we look to it that I want you to see. The first one is Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Let's break this down and see what it is. I, I want to say this to you in this, that um, wherever Moses was, he was a lot like Joseph. He grew where he was. And um, if you were to take from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 and verse 2, the space that's in there where he's at, I think you'd see Moses as a different person than what he ends up being. Exodus chapter 3 says this, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. He's just doing what he needs to do. In his mind, he's probably not, not got an ultimate decision of this is where I'm going to do this, how God's going to use me. He's just in the wilderness doing what he needs to do. And that's going to come to fruition in just a little bit because he's going to need that. He's going to need that experience. Let me ask you this. How many of you feel like you could live off the land? There's some people in here that could live off the land. I couldn't. I was never raised that way. I, um, the only hunting we did was mushrooms growing up. And you really can't live off mushrooms. They only come out for about two months. Um, but my father-in-law, on the other hand, he's Green Beret. And he, when he was growing up, now, I, I have a different theory of why his dad did this, but his dad would, um, on the weekends, take all four of the brothers, and he would take them to a 
area and drop them off on Friday. He'd give them one bullet, each one of them one bullet to kill an animal that weekend, and then he'd pick them up Sunday night. Now, to him to live off the land, and they did it, he did it almost every weekend. Now, to him, it was, it's nothing to live off the land. Now, you know why I think his dad did that? He didn't want to feed four boys. He's like, okay, you guys fend for yourself. We're not, do you realize how much money they saved on pizza alone for Friday night? They would just do that. And, and I mean, he would tell me, we'd walk and he'd say, you know, you could eat this, you couldn't eat that. I was like, I, I would die. But Moses went through this and it made him who he needed to be. It's going to help him when he gets in the wilderness. And he doesn't know that yet. But up to this point, this is his life. He's, he's taking care of this flock. It says he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the, I love this, mountain of God. Little did he know that God's going to show himself on that mountain. And so you have, here, here it is in this, this, this verse that tells you exactly what he is. But everything's about ready to change in verse number two. You ever been in a change situation? You go, oh, I just don't know if I like change. Okay, here it goes. You know, I always get scared when I buy an automobile. Right? You ever bought one and go, I just don't know if it's going to run. I, don't, I just don't know. My, my brother's had hundreds of automobiles. He's made his life on it. And one time he bought a, I want to say it was a Chrysler, and it, it wasn't working. And so they wouldn't replace it. They said it, he had went past the, I think, the 30 days. So he, he would do something. I would never do this, but he did this. He got his car, and he parked it right in front of their dealership and walked to work. And on the, on, he made a sandwich sign and put it on top of it. And it said, this is a lemon, and I bought it here and had an arrow to the place. Well, it wasn't about two or three weeks that he did that that they called him and said, we'll take care of this vehicle. But, and he knew how to work on cars. I don't know how to work on cars. So when I get something and it's a change, it kind of concerns me. I have a lot of mechanics look at what I'm going to get before I, before I purchase it. I want to make sure everything's okay. And here he's in a transitional, a transitional situation in his life. And look at verse number two. And it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. You know, when I, was, when I was studying this, I, I, I was looking at some things that God was in in, in Moses' life. God was in the wilderness with him. I think Moses himself needed to have forgiveness for himself for what he had done to that man. I think it ate him up. He would, what, he would be what we call, what? A fugitive. Because Pharaoh was trying to kill him. He would have killed him if he could have, but he couldn't find him. He's what we call a fugitive. But so what did the wilderness do? It got him ready for later on. He didn't know it. And the wilderness is something that sometimes we're in, right? You ever been in a state, you go, I just don't know if I can make it through this. I just don't, the, the emotions are raw and all this stuff's going on. I don't know what I can do. But you know what else he was? He was also in the mountain with him. He's not only in the wilderness with you when you don't know what's going on, he's on your mountain peaks with you. And here he comes to the mountain of God, and God's really going to show himself. And the third thing on this is he's in the bush. Now, God could have used many different things to speak to him. This is a very interesting story to me. But he chooses an inanimate object, a, a living bush, to talk to him. And I think it's very interesting, the wording that you'll find in this. But God was in all these things with him. He sent him to the wilderness, and in the wilderness he found a mountain, and in the mountain he found a bush. 
and all these different things, these circumstances, were there for him. And in, in verse number 2, you see the confusion. It says, and the, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. He's like, this is not the normal. Now, if he thinks this is not the normal, wait till the bush starts talking to him. You say, well, I don't know if God could do that. God can do anything He wants. The Bible says the rocks could declare His glory. And so here you have all these three aspects of Him. He's in the rough spots of the wilderness. He's in the high peaks of the mountain. And he's also in the, in the bush. But when I was thinking about this, there's, there's a couple things, and you're studying this. Moses needed some things in his life. You ever been in a point where you needed something? Sometimes we don't even need, know we need something. Sometimes God will bring something along the way and He'll teach us certain things. Look at this first one and try to figure this one out. Moses needed Pharaoh. Why did Moses need Pharaoh? Well, first of all, Pharaoh saved his life inadvertently through his daughter. But why else did he need Pharaoh? Let, to let the people go? He, he would, don't you think he would understand what Pharaoh was... The mentality of Pharaoh, and I know it was the same Pharaoh, but they all basically acted the same way. He, he, he would understand how they would work. There's another aspect of this too. What did Pharaoh give him? Gave him education. He had the best education you could possibly have. So here you have Moses needed Pharaoh for the, sometimes God brings people in your, in your path. You go, I don't think I could, be, they could, I could get anything from them, but you can I've often said this, there's 17 things in my life that's got me to where I'm at now. 17 major decisions. And if I look at some of those decisions and I, and I look at how those decisions were made, it's I would never think that God would use that. My first ministry, I went to a ministry because the guy that was the assistant pastor knew me from college. It was my song, he was my, I was in a singing group and he was my leader my first year. The second year I had a different guy. Third year they wanted me to direct it. But going back to that first year, I knew him a little bit. He, I traveled with him in the summer. But God still used him to get me there. When I was there at the church, just a couple weeks ago, I was talking to Brother Tebow about this man. He said, we're not allowed to even speak his name here. Because he went around to everybody and got support to start a church, an independent Baptist church up in Indiana. He left that church, went over there. He would eventually leave his wife and marry a man. So, you know, Mark, I look at this and I go, there's just no way that God could use this man to get me where I am today. But on two separate occasions. He helped me along the way before he turned. His mind just went a wicked way. Sometimes we don't understand these people that are in front. You, you, you say something to Moses, you say, you know, you're going to learn some stuff from Pharaoh and you're going to be able to use it. He knew how to stand and talk to Pharaoh because he was there. Even though it was a different Pharaoh, he could go in and he knew, he knew how to act. Now, mark this down. Do you think a lot of the Hebrew kids knew how to, how to act in front of him? Absolutely not. Because they were never around him. 
The only thing they knew Pharaoh was for was what? Heavy labor. And he is sitting there and his Pharaoh is actually, Moses needed Pharaoh. So don't underestimate your situations that, and the people that you meet. Even if they're evil people, God can still use them to make you who you need to be. So Moses needed Pharaoh. The second thing is, Moses needed a wilderness. Can you imagine him never being in the wilderness, then all of a sudden, okay, we're going to take you guys, we're going to go in the wilderness, and we're going to live off the land. And God took care of him, I understand. But you don't realize the magnitude of what God's going to ask him with the millions of people living off this land. But he understood that. Okay, let's go back. What was he, where was, what was he doing when he was in the wilderness here? He was watch, watching his flock. When the, when the Egyptians finally let the Israelites go, did they have animals? So he knew how to even take care of the animals in the wilderness. He learned a lot in the wilderness. A lot more than what we can even imagine. His resume, somewhere in there, would say, 40 years in the wilderness. I learned a lot there. I learned what not to eat, what to eat, where we could stay, where it would be safe. He would know all this. And yes, God would direct him also, but here the wilderness was something that he needed. 40 years, he needed the lifestyle training for this. And the last thing is this. Aren't you thankful that God teaches you things? He needed to be taught. Here he's in the wilderness, and in, in verse number one, he's just taking care of his flock. All of a sudden, God starts talking to him. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Now, continue reading in verse number um, four. It says, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him in the midst of the bush. Verse number five. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. God's instructing him what to do. Here's a man that's been in the wilderness for 40 years. He's probably forgot some of the stories because all he's doing is taking care of these animals. And he's living in the wilderness. It's a rough situation. And then go to keep reading. It says, um, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. You know what I think Moses was thinking right in that exact moment? This God that is a creator knows what I did to that man. Isn't that what happens? When you're brought with righteousness, what happens? Your sins become as filthy rags. And you start thinking these through. He needed to be taught how to act around God and who God was. So Moses needed Pharaoh. He needed the wilderness. He needed to be taught. But you know what I'm thankful for? That God knows me and he knows you. He also, I'm so also thankful that God knows my family. And the last thing is this. He knows his people. Aren't you thankful for that? Let me show you how he knows all these people. God knows Moses. Let's go to Moses' life. How does he know who Moses is? Of course, he knows everything. But how does he illustrate to Moses that he knows him? First of all, he knows one thing about Moses. You know what's interesting when you read this? Moses has some curiosity. 
Go to verse 2 and 3. He sees a bush burning, and he has enough curiosity to know that it's not burning up. If I saw a bush, I'd really have to look at it. But he knew there'd be some people that'd walk by it and not even think a thing about it. Oh, the bush is burning. Who cares? Have you ever met somebody that doesn't care about what things are going around him? Mo he knew who Moses was. And he gave him a sign and he put it in front of him so that he would look at it. Let's read verse 2 and 3 again. It says in verse number 2 in, 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 in Exodus chapter 3, it says, verse number 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now, you'd have to really look at it to see that. It, all of a sudden, this thing's burning, and nothing's, nothing's burning up. And it says, And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. Now he's thinking these things in his mind. Okay, I'm going to go see this. God knew that he was a, curi a curious guy. He also knew his name. When he starts talking to him in verse number 4, it says, and, when the and the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He knew exactly who he was. And how did he get that name? Pharaoh's daughter named him that. So here, he knows me, he knows my name, he knows, he knows personality traits. How many of you sometimes get scared? How many of you have fears in your life? How many of you, how many of you just are curious? Some people are not curious. I mean, when I drive by something, I don't, I don't see it, I see a little bit glimpse of it. You know what I want to do? I want to drive back again and see what it is. I'd be an ambulance chaser if I could because I want to know what's going on. And here, some people are not like that. Some people could care less. I have a niece that could care less. She doesn't care about time. I was afraid when she had her wedding what was going to happen, and it happened. Show up, and she's not there. And she shows up five minutes before, and they're supposed to take pictures 45 minutes before. It's just, da da We get ready and we start cleaning up after the wedding. And I'll never forget what she says. She walked up to my sister and said, Mom, I've got to go back to the house and pack my stuff for the honeymoon. I was like, who does that? And I know I kind of had a shocked look on my face. I was kind of like, then he walks up and then he says, and don't forget we've got to go to my house and get my stuff before we go. I thought, this, this was a match made in heaven. You know, some people were just different. Moses was somebody about detail. We know that because he was out and he saw something that he didn't like and he wanted to find out about the detail, he ended up killing the guy. He was all about the detail. So now, it's, now let's talk about my family. Uh, first of all, look at how he responded. He says, Moses, Moses, and what was, what was Moses' response? Here am I. Now, he's been out in the wilderness for 40 years. What punctuation is the end of this sentence? What is it? Look at verse number four. Ends with a period. You know what it is? It's a statement. He hears God say, Mo Moses, Moses. And he turns around and says, here am I. Just a, just a statement. He knows, his, he knows family. Look how he kind of leads into this. and We kind of read it in verse number six. You're going to see the listing in verse number 6. He says, Moreover, he said, I am the God of 
thy father. Now Moses knew who his father was, but now he's going to tell some other people. He goes, also, I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. I am the God. And Moses hid his face. Here he's telling these people, he knew his family. He knew his, who his father was. This meant a lot to him. And it also says that he knew his people. Now God is going to tell, talk to Moses and he's going to give this whole thing to him and tell him what's going on. Go to verse number 7 and you'll see this. You'll see that there's problems in verse number 7. He just told him that, that Moses can't look at his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse number 7, And the Lord said, I, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. First of all, he knew that they had problems. He knew his people had problems. He knows your problems. Verse number 8, And I am come down to deliver. Now Moses at this time doesn't know that he's going to be the instrument that God's going to use to deliver him. But he knows that God knows him and he's going to use deliverance on him. He also, in verse number 8, he shows provision. He says, I am going to come and deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good land and a large into a land flowing with milk and honey. Now let's go when, let's fast forward this a little bit and they get in the wilderness. This sounds a lot better than what they got. But it wasn't God's fault. Land flowing with milk and honey. That would be like Powell's and Cracker Barrel. Amen? Here, they've got this whole situation. Everything's going to be good. It's going to help them. He knew his people. He understood the deliverance. He understood the provisions. Then go to verse number 9. He also knew the oppressions. He lists all these Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And then in verse number 9 it says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of children of Israel is coming to me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Why is he telling this to Moses? God already knew all these things, right? Why do you think he's telling Moses this? Moses has been in the wilderness for 40 years. He really doesn't know probably what's really going on over in his homeland. If you look where this is at on the map, he's a long way from Egypt. And his people need him. Hmm. Can I say this to you, that God has a plan for you? Up to this point, Moses doesn't know the plan. He just knows, man, the people that I left and the one I fought for, I killed for. They have all these things and God's going to take care of them. But God had a plan for Moses the whole time. Even in the 40 years of wilderness. He was making him who he needed to be. Because go to verse number 10 and you'll see this. Exodus chapter 3 verse 10. Here's his plan. His plan is, now I can almost see Moses. It's like, that's good God. That's... And there's got to be a part of him going, why are you telling me this? But verse number 10 is going to show him why he's telling him this. Watch verse number 10. It says, come now therefore, and I will send the next word out of his mouth is when, when Moses is going, what? It says, thee. That I will send thee to where? Why was Moses in the wilderness? Because he was fleeing the Pharaoh. So now God's sending him back to another Pharaoh 
and he's going to have him be the one in charge of it? Moses doesn't know how many people are involved now. It's 40 years. Another generation has come on the scene. But keep reading. It says, That thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Egypt, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God has a plan for you. Hmm. Question is, do we have questions about that plan? Doug Cook's back here. If you were to ask him what his plan was and how God changed it, that not happen? I have a, my, my wife has a book, and she was reading it. I was like, what is that book about? And you know what it's called? It's called Plan B. Written by Tim Zacharias. Tim Zacharias was, his brother was my roommate in college. I know who Tim is. The book, the preface of the book is this, that he had a plan for his life. But God had a different plan. And God's plan B is better than my plan A. You know what his plan was? That he was going to have to go through cancer. He's a pastor, I think, I want to say in Colorado. And here he has to, he has to change everything, his lifestyle, because of what God has given him, and it's his plan B in his mind, but it was always God's plan A. We sometimes don't understand things. And Moses is sitting here, and, you, and, and he's got some questions, and the thing is, is this is what we try to do. We're trying to figure out what God is doing. Can you see him right now? He's sitting there going, okay, I'm in the wilderness with these sheep. A bush is on fire. It's not burning up. I go look at it to see what's going on. It starts talking to me. It says my name. I say, here am I. Then it starts telling me what's, what, who, who he is, and, and then I, it's holy ground. And then he tells them about the Israelites that are in Egypt, what's going on. And then at the last minute, he goes, and I'm going to use you. Hmm. Let's look at Moses' thoughts through this. What do you think Moses' thoughts about Egypt were? Now remember, here's the issue that most Baptists have if you know the story. You know what happens. But put yourself in Moses' shoes at this particular junction in his life. What does he think of Egypt? He thinks of Egypt as a place that was homeland for 40 years. But he's been gone for just as long as he lived there. But he also looks at Egypt as, as a place where they could kill him. And it's a suffering thing. God's already told him what his people are going through. He's already said they're all suffering, they're oppressed, and I know what's what they're going through. He can hear their, their, their sorrow. So what do you think, of, think he thinks of it, Egypt? Probably not too high of, up on his, uh, on his list. Look at the next one. What do you think he thinks of the Hebrews? What happened the last time he talked to a Hebrew? What did, God, what, what did the guy say to him? Because he, he's, he's not with the Hebrew people now. He's in the wilderness, Midian. And let me say this, let me give you an, another point to this. God always takes care of his own people. Okay, can anybody tell me of a, a, a famous Israelite right now? I would say Netanyahu. Okay, and we know all, all these people. Can someone tell me a famous Midianite in this day and age? You can't. 
because they don't exist anymore. God takes care of his own people. And so here, he's got the Hebrew, and the thing he's thinking is these guys said that, they, that I was going to kill them. And his own last thought was, I think everybody knows. So here's Moses' thoughts. In verse number 4, he says what? Here am I. When God calls his name, he says, here am I. But he changes it. He's really emphatically with a statement, here am I. The bush talks to him, here am I. But watch how this changes in verse number 10. He no longer says, here am I. He says, who am I? Because he's doubting that he can do anything. Look at verse number 10. How does verse, I mean, verse number 11. It says, and Moses said unto God, who am I? How does this sentence end? With a question mark. When he finds out God's talking to him, he says, here am I. With a statement, and now he says, who am I? And here you get from here to whom? From here to who? And so let's break this down. I want you to see this. Here to who? How do you get from here to who? We all know when God speaks to us, don't we? Watch. Have you ever been, have you ever been in a situation where God wants you to share a track with somebody? Or share your testimony with somebody? Right? We've been there. That's the here. God tells you to do it. Here am I. But our problem is, we're just like Moses. Right? Oh no, I've never lived in the wilderness. I couldn't live in the wilderness. But sometimes I question when God asks me to do something. And there's nothing wrong with questioning. You watch these next chap couple chapters, God's going to have to explain everything to him. What he's going to have to do. He's going to have to build Moses up for him. What's Moses' um, cliche that he always says that why he can't be a leader? I'm not a, I'm not a speaker. I, I can't speak to people. And God had to answer that, didn't he? I'll just bring another guy with you. The vice president's going with you. But here you have this, and, and we all know when God speaks to us, and it's great to say, okay, we're going to do this. But the, the problem is, do we, follow, do we follow God when, when He tells us what to do? Sometimes we look at things and they're just too big. Moses is in a situation that God wants him to go to a place that they could kill him. Moses doesn't know what's going on. And I like thinking in the, in the narrative in this and thinking where he's at right now. Yeah, sure, he's got the Ten Commandments in his hand on this picture, but he's not there yet. He's going to struggle with this. It goes from making a statement to a question. God's not going to act, direct, or speak to you about something that you can't do. We're about ready to go, up, go and see the ark. We're leaving on Friday. We have 36 people going somewhere in there. But when you see the ark, how many of you have seen the ark? Raise your hand if you've seen it. I want to see. There's only a few. When you see the ark, guess what? You realize the magnitude of what God asked him to do. Sometimes we say, oh, he's just going to build an ark. 
120 years it took. God told us to do something 120 years. It would be our whole lifetime, plus, plus a couple generations. But God can do whatever He wants. But God's never going to ask you to do something that you can't do. And there's nothing wrong with questioning it. You just got to follow what He wants you to do. You say, well, it's just too big. It's just too big, I can't do it. How many times have you ever heard someone get up from a pulpit and say, when I was younger, I was an introvert? Didn't you say that, Brother Cook, when you got up here? There's many preachers that I know that they couldn't say boo to anybody when they're in high school. And then all of a sudden, they just let, let God do, and then they do a great thing. I know of at least 10 to 15 preachers that will get up and say that. I just can't speak in front of anybody. And now they're pastoring? Who would have thought that? Sorry, thought that. Every time I say wrong words, she corrects me. on. All right, thunk is not a word. Thought. Okay, all right, here we go. Who would have thought that? God didn't ask Moses to do anything that he couldn't do. Do you not think, think this through with Moses. God could have made it a lot easier on him. How could he have done it? He could have just taken over the kingdom, stayed there, been the next Pharaoh, and let the Israelites go. Let's even take it a step further. Could not have God said, okay, we're going to handle this the right way, and instead of hardening Pharaoh's heart, softening his heart, the first time he goes in, okay, I'll let your people go. You imagine the, just to show you, first time he goes, second time, third, he goes all the way to ten times. You ever been in a situation you really don't want to go to? But you know you're right. I've used this illustration before, but I remember going, going to my piano lessons growing up. I thought, man, this lady's mean. Why would I want to go up there? I, when we were driving through Farmersburg, we, I drove, my wife goes, where did your piano teacher live? And I was driving down there, oh, it's gone. The house is gone. No more nightmares, praise God. Can you imagine doing the same thing over and over and it never being easy? You say, well, it was easy after that. Was it? Moses was always on the move. Moses always had rough situation. I don't know if there's anybody in the Bible that had a rougher ministry than him. And he was over more people. Now, of course, Jesus didn't do anything wrong and he was crucified and died for our sins, but I'm thinking about just a regular man that went through so much. I could just see him. I don't know if you, you picture people, but I could just see him. He's a calloused man. I think his hands are probably calloused. His face is probably weather-beaten because he's been in the wilderness for quite a while. He lived most of his life there. But I want to end it with this. God's, knowing, God's not going to act, direct, or speak to you about something that you can't do. Now watch this. God knows our capabilities. I don't know of a man that could have done this other than Moses. And you know what? I'm very quick to judge him from going, Here am I to who am I? 
because I think he understood the magnitude of it. And I think if there's anything you know about when you study Moses is you'll figure out that I don't think Moses was a, was a prideful man. I think he was a man that was just going to be used when God asked him to be used and he was going to doubt it a little bit probably the whole time. And I'll end it with this. One of the best stories in the Bible about Moses is when they come up against the Red Sea and they're starting to question what's going on. Let us go back. Let us go back. We're going to do this. We're going to be, he sees Pharaoh's men coming and he says this. He says, we're going to move forward. You know what was forward? The water. God knows exactly all of our capabilities and he's going to give us what we can handle. Now, our job is not to question what he does. We can question it, but we've got to move forward. God has a plan for your life. Moses was, went through a lot of rough stuff in his life. And I don't think God's going to ever make us go through what Moses did. But he knew Moses could handle He knows what you can handle. So understand that. When God speaks to you, here am I. Don't get to who am I and back out. Because many people would back out. If you don't think that's true, read the story of Gideon. How many men left him? But God still used the ones that were there.